Let us pray. I boldly proclaim your gospel. I boldly proclaim in power the word that you have written. I boldly bear witness to you, Jesus, and thank you for your grace and mercy that I have met him. We pray this all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Okay. I'm a visual. I like, I see images and I see the way things are in an image. And so whenever I start studying the scripture, the Lord starts give, giving me little visuals. Well, this morning I got up to pray and I was praying and all of a sudden I saw a Tootsie Roll pop. Now, this is the question I want to ask you. Is it ever too early to eat chocolate? Right. It's never too early to eat chocolate. I asked that to the 8 o'clock. And they said, and there were several. And they said, no. I was like, okay, we've got some chocolate people. One lady came up to me afterwards and she said, you know how that could have been better? I said, no, please tell me. I would love to know. She said, if you had bought several bags of Tootsie Rolls. I said, you know, you're right. I should have done that. But the reason why the Lord showed me that, I think, is because Mark's gospel is so different telling the story about John the Baptist, Jesus, and and all the other things that he says, compared to Luke and to John, to Matthew, he's so different that what he does is he has these layers that you have to lick through. You know how many licks it takes to eat a... How many? <laughs> he said three. I, I was just going to say, the next part is, all right, how many are cheaters here? You know, after a couple of licks, you just are like, whatever. Because you want to go straight for the chocolate. But you know, we are in the season of Advent. And, and we are to be in a heart season of preparation. You know, words like wait, prepare, be patient, don't move so fast, don't talk so fast, calm down, bring it down a notch. Those words are not in my vocabulary. So when I read that in Scripture, I hear the Holy Spirit talking to me and saying that preparation is critical. And in our church year, season that we are in right now in Advent, which means arrival, We are to prepare. So taking the chocolate illustration, which is in the center of the Tootsie Roll, what I want to do is I want us to just sort of lick up the scripture here for a while until we get to that chocolate, which will be Jesus Christ. Because he's always the sweetest part. He is always the thing that we love and desire the most. It's Jesus Christ. Now, last week, Nathan opened us up with Advent um, by talking about it being a season of preparation, that the theme of Advent is to prepare, 
to prepare ourselves. And so today, in Mark's Gospel, if you want to look it up in in your pew Bible, or if you have brought your Bible, that would be something that would be great, to bring your Bible, like to church on Sunday. (laughs) And that way, what we could do is we could... You could look it in your Bible and you could write things down if you wanted to, because I'm, I'm a writer in my Bible. But in Mark, the first eight verses is what we're going to look at. And I'm going to take some of it piece by piece, but then we'll go on with the theme. When you look at the first opening verses of Mark's Gospel, what you see is that God calls. He issues a call to his people to the people that belong to him, that have encountered him, that have met him, that have a relationship with him. God calls those people into a specific calling. Now, with John here, we we see that, that John's calling was very unique. We know from Psalm 139 that God creates us, he formed us in our mother's womb, and the parts were yet unseen, but God did that. And so he called John to this particular calling, John the Baptist, before John was even born. Now we're going to get a little bit more into that so that we can understand that clearly because it can be complicated. But first, before we do that, let's look at the declaration at the very beginning. And that is, he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel. Now, where have you heard that before? The beginning. What about in the beginning? What about, that was in Genesis 1-1. What about in the beginning, the word was God? John 1. That was a long time ago, huh, Greg? So they might, I might have to reiterate that about, about John. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was, was God, right, with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Well, that word beginning, which is arche in the Greek, because I know you've been right on the edge of the pew waiting for me to tell you that. I know that. I know that about y'all. Is arche... And it also means, besides beginning, it also means origin. Now, this is very interesting. Because, you know, God has no beginning and and no end. God was pre-existent. We can't wrap our, our little finite brains around that. Because we have a time of origin. Well, so did John the Baptist. He had a time of origin. And here we go. And so did Jesus Christ. He had a time of origin when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and was born a human being. Now, see, that's, that's powerful. That he humbled himself to have an origin like that. To be born a human being, like all of us. Putting himself in that position, like the rest of us. And he, though, was in the beginning, with God. For he is God. 
So the beginning is important as we look at the origin, the origin of God's plan that he has for all of creation. Also, going down a little bit further, we see where he quotes the Isaiah text that we read, and he starts it in verse 2 by saying, It is written in Isaiah the prophet. Now, it is written is also a fabulous Greek word. I know. See, somebody shook their head, and you were hoping I was going to say it. That's right. It's another great word. But it's the tense of that word that's so important. And what's important about it is that it happened. It's completed. But it's continuously in action. It has continuous results. And so when God called forth his plan for the children of Israel, he sent his prophets to tell them what the plan was for their salvation. And we see that here by him quoting Isaiah the importance of bringing the Old Testament prophecy together with the New Testament to show what God said and then to show the fulfillment. So we see that as he quotes Isaiah. And we also see that he is calling John the Baptist, the baptizer, he's calling him the one that was prophesied a voice crying out in the wilderness. So you see that fulfillment there. That's what I love about the Scripture. The Holy Spirit gives us that insight so that we can understand that what God said in the Old Testament, we see in the New Testament the fulfillment of that. And so it's important to always view the Old Testament in view of the cross, the cross of Jesus. You never read the Old Testament and just... Put a period at the end of that before you start in Matthew and say, okay, well, that was the old. You view it in the view of the cross because that's where it was all coming to for the salvation of the world. Now, theologically, Mark has really hit the big deal here because he has revealed the uniqueness of Jesus. By saying these small words In the beginning, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. By saying these things, he has revealed in these words the deity of Jesus. Words are very important. And sometimes we think that articles are not, that we can just throw A or the around kind of, you know, however. Let me tell you something. Those articles are critical. Because Jesus said that he is the way. He is the way. He's not a way. And that's critical. When you say that Jesus is a way, you have taken him off the throne. His uniqueness as as the deity, as God, that has been removed by calling him a way. He's no different than all the other ways and all the other religions. So it's critical. And so Mark has already revealed that theologically right from the get-go, that Jesus and his uniqueness, his divinity, and John the Baptist 
being a human being, we now see the origin of Jesus Christ as a human being, yet fully divine. Now, that's just hard to wrap your brain around that, isn't it? It's hard to understand that. But with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can have clarity and understanding as we seek him. Let's look again at John 1, 1 through 3. I'm going to read it one more time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In him all things came into being, and nothing, nothing has come into being apart from him. There it is again. Not only do we know his origin, because we know in John 1.14 it says, And he became flesh and dwelt among us. Not only do we know his origin as a human being, but we know the origin of God which is pre-existent. So we, we see that John the Baptist has been given an amazing um, call on his life. Amazing. He's been called to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, for the coming of God. Do you, I mean, do you feel prepared to go and announce God is coming? Y'all get ready. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Now, let me talk just a little bit about what happened uh, to John, because we need to talk about John and get a little bit of an information information on John so that we can understand uh, John's life. First of all, he was the baptizer. So we know that he, he lived out in the wilderness. We see that in scripture. He lived out in the wilderness. He ate, uh, you know, honey and locusts, and I could not eat it without chocolate, and I, probably most of y'all have to have chocolate on it. And they are actually kind of good if you fry them up and dip them in chocolate. Have y'all ever had that? They're good. It's good. But I don't think he had any of that. At any rate, he's living out there in the wilderness, and he's eating this food, and he's, he's taken a vow, a, a Nazarite vow. And so he lives in poverty and very simplistic. Another thing about him that is so interesting is that he was preparing the people with a baptism of repentance, of sin. You see... He wanted to clean them up because he knew that the sin in their life that they had not confessed was going to block, number one, hearing the voice, and number two, was going to block them seeing who Jesus is and was from the Scripture. There's a wonderful word in James when it talks about um, the ear, about hearing, about the word implanted, and about stripping away and sloughing off, there's wonderful words in there that give you the image of like a snake. You know, when a snake goes through rocks to get off its skin. But there's also another word in there about that our hearing had become dull. It's a great word. It's called ruparia. And the, the simple definition of it is earwax. And you're thinking, gross, James, that's so gross. Why are you talking about that? Well, this is why. 
The things that we listen to in the world, the culture that's trying to interpret Scripture and tell us what the Scripture means now in the 21st century, the culture that's trying to do that, that fills up our hearing with spiritual earwax. So that when we read the Word of God, our spiritual ears have a hard time hearing And then we get clouded over like with spiritual cataracts. And we can't see. We can't see when Jesus is in our midst. So that baptism of repentance was critical for these people. And people were coming out by the hundreds. Because they'd been waiting on the Messiah. The first coming. The Messiah. And so that's what he did, repentance from sin, preparing them for the coming of the Messiah. This was his calling. God called him when he was in his mother's womb. Let me just say that again. He called, he was called in his mother's womb. Let's look at that and see if we can find that to be biblically true. In the Gospel of Luke all of chapter 1, which I encourage you to read at home, just to to get the story, some of the pieces together on this, on John the Baptist, tells you the entire story of his family, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and about how when Zacharias, who was a priest and he was in the temple, um, and an angel came and they'd been praying and praying and praying and praying because Elizabeth was barren and they wanted a child, and the angel came in and said, you're going to have a child. And you're going to name him John, which means God is gracious or, or grace of God. And you're going to name him John. And, of course, you know the story. Zacharias doubted, you know, about all of this. And he went mute because God knew his heart. Because, you know, Mary sort of doubted, too, when the angel told her she was going to have a baby and not like the regular way. She sort of doubted that. But God knew her heart. And so he, when he became, he was unable to speak. And then when, when he wrote the name John, when they asked him what this baby was to be called, that's when he started speaking. And when he did, he started proclaiming prophetically the good news of the Messiah. Another thing that happened is that when Mary came to see Elizabeth, her cousin, and she got within ears of of Elizabeth, and Elizabeth heard her call. What happened was the baby in Elizabeth, who was John, leapt. Now, you women out there that have had babies, I don't know. You know, they jump all around in there, and especially towards the end, and they kick and move and leap up and down. And I don't know that I would have immediately said, Oh, it's the Holy Spirit. He's telling me something right here. Or I would have been saying that a lot. But she knew. She knew. Something happened. Let me tell you what happened. She met Jesus. Because Jesus was in Mary's womb. And and so she met Jesus. The Messiah, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
And it says in, in the scripture, it says in, in Luke, that what happened is that the, she was then filled with the Holy Spirit. And so was John. Now we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Pentecost talk. I mean, Jesus hadn't even been born yet, and we're filling people with the Holy Spirit. What is that about? Well, it's because he, he, Jesus, the Messiah, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, met Elizabeth. And when he did, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I've, I've only preached a few times here, but do you know for the first time I saw this plaque that's on this pulpit? Y'all know what it says? Who does not know what it says? Raise your hand. It says, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. John twelve twenty one. I've never seen that before. Until today. Had all kind of stuff all probably on top of it. We want to see, we wish to see Jesus. And this is what happened to John, and this is what happened to Elizabeth. And to me, when I saw that, I got so excited because I had never seen that before. I've been studying the scripture for over 35 years, and I love the word of God. I have a passion for the word of God, and I study it just to study it because I like to study it. And then God let me go to seminary. And then, he let me, and then I really had to study. And he let me study there. And, and whenever I prepare to, to give a message, I, sometimes it takes me two weeks because I just like to study. So I love to do that. You see, Jesus reveals himself in his word. And when he lives inside of us, We have the potential to understand this word. You don't have to go to seminary to understand the word. You just have to have Jesus to understand the word. To bear witness. This is what happened. The spirit of God living inside of Mary. When touched, when she met Jesus, Elizabeth and John, the call happened. John didn't know that at first. It took him a while. He had to grow into that knowledge. But then he knew. And when he knew, that was his Tootsie Roll. He said, I'm going after the chocolate, and I'm going to be prepared, and I'm going to prepare others, and we're going to have exactly what God has promised to us, the Messiah. And we're going to be ready. Can you imagine having a party at your house and you don't prepare for it and everybody shows up? Just take me right there, Lord. I would just pray, Lord, take me. I would not be able to handle that. Some people can handle that, but when Robert, when Robert and I were, you know, you know, the, the, the rector and the, and the rector's wife, you know, that, um, sometimes Robert would do that. He would bring people over. Just, <laughs> they'd just drop in. And he'd say, hey, honey, I got, you know, Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so, and they got some friends. They had some friends that had come in from out of town, and they don't know the Lord. And so we brought them over. I said, they don't what? They don't know the Lord. I said, oh, evang- okay, this is evangelism witness. All right. But think about that. Think about that. About being prepared 
to announce to people that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, he's coming, and we're going to prepare the way. Regardless of how the Lord is calling you, if you have met Jesus, if, if you have had an encounter with Jesus, and he lives inside of you, you have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And that Holy Spirit is going to bear witness to others about Jesus. Which is exactly what happened when Mary met Elizabeth. When you go somewhere, wherever you go, you're not just going yourself if you have Jesus living inside of you. You are taking him, use that word humbly, with you to the grocery store. One part of preparation is to get to the place where he takes us. He tells us, this is where I want you to go. Have you ever had that happen? You thought you had your schedule all worked out for the day? And, you know, you don't check these off, Lord, check this, check this. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, no, I need you to go so-and-so. You say, but, Lord, let me explain to you. I have this list. He says, let me explain something to you. I'm God. And so then what you do is you pick your little self up and you go. Because something's going on there. There's somebody there that wants to meet Jesus. And we don't know who they are. It does not matter what your calling is. We are to bear witness to the light, to the hope, to the Messiah that lives inside of us. So what does that look like? In closing, there are so many ministries in this church. I mean, this, I would like to, as a matter of fact, I would like, I would just love it one day to take the time and write down Every single ministry, unless we've had that somewhere. And, and just see all of the opportunities that God gives us to take the calling that we have specifically and plug that in so that we can bear witness of Jesus that lives inside of us and we can help others prepare themselves to meet Jesus. Now, you know, John the Baptist had a very heavy call to prepare for the for the coming of God. Guess what? He's coming back. Who who is going to prepare the way for him? Just y'all look at each other. You got, you got a mirror? <laughs> Hold the mirror up. <laughs> the body of Christ is to prepare the way for the second advent. The second arrival. We are to make the road straight. We got all kind of bumps in the road. We got crisis going on in our life. We've got problems and things like that. Ask the Lord to help us make those bumps smooth. They might not go away. You know how many times I prayed for the Lord to heal Robert and I of cancer? Probably as much as all of y'all have prayed for us. I don't know why the Lord's decided just to let it hang on. I have no idea. But this is what I know. I'm preparing the way. Because he's given me the power to do that. And the cancer is not my identity. 
That's not my identity. My identity is I'm a child of God, and I've been called to prepare the way because he's coming back. He's going to take care of all this crud in this earth. In St. Luke's, we have ministries of intercessors. We have calling on people's lives to intercede for people. And sometimes we never see these people that are interceding. And they're interceding for people who are physically, emotionally, spiritually sick. And all of a sudden, a messenger is sent out to meet this person that you've been praying for, and they meet Jesus. Powerful. We have ministry of helps. Right now we're in the process of revitalizing the Stephen ministry um, and powerful ministry to be there to lend a helping hand. I mean, you don't have to be hanging off the edge of a cliff on a rope, you know, saying, help. Anything, any help. You need another hand, you only have two, I need three. We have this ministry that we are, we are now praying and working on and called Stephen Ministry. Most of you know about that. We have prayer, service, and evangelism as a daughter of the king. God might be calling you to that. The, the funerals that we do here, the celebrations of life, the food that the daughters of the king provide for these receptions is totally amazing. Like I want to do a takeout. I mean, it's just so much. It's so wonderful. Working as a volunteer at, the, at Church Mouse. The choir. The bells. I have a lot of respect for people that can do those bells. Youth work. You see, all of these ministries that God has popped up in the body of Christ here at St. Luke's, these are ministries to plug in the calling on our life to prepare not only us, ourselves, but to prepare others that we come in contact with to meet Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's about meeting him, getting to know him, loving him, and then letting him be the center and core of our life. He gave his life. He died on the cross. He poured out his blood. The forgiveness of sins was through the power of that blood. He rose again on the third day. He poured out the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Another prophecy from the book of Joel in the Old Testament. The opportunity is here for everybody. If you have not met Jesus. There's about 300 people in this room that can introduce you to him. This is the challenge. He's calling. He's calling. Are we listening? Are we listening? Are we seeking him? Are we pushed forward towards him? as the prize, the core of our life, the center of our being, the thing that we love and desire the most. Let us pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you for your incredible love, for your grace and mercy, the way you poured out yourself. 
humbling yourself, stepping down from that position of glory for your creation. And we just thank you and praise you for that. Lord, I thank you and praise you that that there may be a person or two here that is has really yet to, to say, Lord, I want to I want to see, sir, I want to see Jesus. So I pray right now, Lord, that you would reveal yourself. You would send a messenger. You would reveal yourself right at this moment. But that they would see you, Lord. And we thank you and praise you that you are a mighty God. We give you all the glory. And for it is in your name, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.